Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to read verses 16 and 17 says this Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright for you know that afterward when Esau wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright I want to turn your attention also in Scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just a single verse, verse 12 in the New King James Version. The Apostle Paul writes to the church, writes to us in the Holy Ghost and says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. The English Standard Version says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. The play on words in the original would have said something to the effect of, all things are in my power, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And in this passage, there's themes of control Uh, I won't be a slave to anything. I won't be brought under the control of anything. I'm not going to be dominated by anything. And it doesn't happen this way for me every week. But earlier this week on Tuesday, very, very early in the morning, the Lord directed me to this passage and to this theme and message for today. And I want to declare in your hearing this morning what the Lord has given to me for us for this day, that you can go from being enslaved to empowered. You can go from being enslaved to empower. Aren't you thankful this morning that God is the kind of God who can take you from one place, from the place of slavery to a place of an overcoming life in him? Let's give the Lord praise right now. Lord, we magnify you. Lord, we look to the truth of your word. We want the power of your spirit to manifest itself in our life. And Lord, we give you praise for what you're doing and what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, bless us to hear your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, God's word teaches us that he wants us to live pure and clean lives. The Bible word that we would use to describe that might be sanctification or holiness. God has called us, when he saves us, he calls us to a new way of living. We're supposed to discard some of the things that we used to do and some of the ways that we used to live and God calls us to a place of undistracted devotion to him there shouldn't be anything in our life that has more influence than God that's what it means to be a worshiper of God I want to present to you this morning the vision of a life that's not dominated by sin or not dominated by the flesh but that is led by the Spirit of God. That's what it really means to be free. To be free is to be led by the Spirit of God. To be really free. Now, I've observed something in children, and um, you probably have too. When there's a youngest sibling, whether it's just there's two children and one of them's the younger, or whether you have a pack of children, Uh, The younger siblings are happy to go along with being bossed around by their older siblings for a little while. I've observed this. Um, My son Abel is four years younger, I believe, than his next sibling, Phoebe. And uh, he came into our family with three older sisters. 
who all like to be helpful, which is to say they like to control him and they expect him to follow orders. Uh, basically, for a long time, he's two now, but for a while, uh, he was very compliant. He was willing to go along with this program. Uh, it was working in his favor. He found that he got more snacks. He found that he had access to toys. Uh, you know, he found that uh, sometimes he would get out of trouble or that there would always be someone there to take care of him if he took a fall. Uh, he was basically compliant in these things. But there was something recently, and you've probably seen this in your own children or grandchildren, I'm sure. There was something recently that triggered in the young man. And now he has an empowered vocabulary and a sense of himself, and uh, he uses that vocabulary and that sense of self to deny his would-be controllers. Phrases like, I don't have to, I won't, or simply, no. Now, where we get into trouble, and that doesn't go over well in our house, I hope it doesn't go over well in your house. But that's not what this message is about this morning. I'm not here today to talk about family dynamics or birth order, even though these things are interesting. I've come in the Holy Ghost to announce to somebody that if you feel like you are being controlled by your flesh, if you feel like you're being controlled by the temptations of the adversary, that yoke of slavery can be broken off of your life. And that yoke of slavery should be broken off of your life. And today is a day when it can happen. I said a moment ago, the Lord woke me up early, early on Tuesday morning, and I came to the house of the Lord today knowing with absolute certainty that what, what my message was and what I feel like the Lord is wanting to do today. And I can't control the way that we respond to the word of God. But I know this, here in a little while when it's time to respond to the word of God and, and, and have an experience in the spirit of God, if no one else wants it, I'm going to eat a cheeseburger here in a little while or something for lunch. And I'm going to, Brother Floyd, my, I'm going to just go about my day because I'm here on assignment in the Holy Ghost today to tell somebody that that thing that's been sticking in your life that you can't seem to get the victory over, God wants to give you the victory over today. God wants to break the yoke of slavery off of your life. You don't have to live driven around and controlled by your flesh or by the temptations of the adversary anymore. You can exercise some vocabulary that says, I don't have to. I don't want to anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. Satan, you don't have my life. You don't have my mind. You don't have my body. I'm a child of God, and I'm going to live accordingly. I believe the Lord directed me to this passage and to this theme this morning because there's somebody under the sound of my voice today. God wants to deliver you and break you free from the bondage that you have experienced in your life. Somebody's going to walk out of the house of the Lord lighter this morning than the way you walked in. Somebody this morning is going to get the breakthrough and going to live in the victory that only God can give. And that yoke of bondage that you've been carrying around too long, child of God, is going to be broken in the name of Jesus today. It's not going to happen because the preacher tickled your ears. But it can happen today if you hear the word of God and respond in faith. 
Brother Dustin, what are you talking about in particular? Just so that you think I'm not operating in the abstract this morning, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hidden sin. I'm talking about bondages of addiction, whether that comes in the form of drugs or pills or nicotine or alcohol or pornography or gambling. It doesn't really manifest itself. as I'm talking about those things that we don't like to talk about. I'm talking about those things that hold us captive and keep its bondage over our life. Even Holy Ghost filled people that have lived for God, that have allowed secret sin to creep into their life and build up a stronghold in their mind. I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. There's a hundred other things that we could add to the list. There's things like Overeating and junk food. There's things like scrolling on your news feed to no end. There's things like exposing yourself to materials that you shouldn't have any access to to begin with. There's things like putting having an online life that's solely for the effect of getting attention because you're addicted to the attention of it. I'm talking about things that build up strongholds in our lives and things that cause us to feel shameful about it. The shame and the guilt that accompany those things. Let me talk to the person just for a minute before I move on. That's already started to squirm this morning. You're mentally disengaging and you're glancing at your phone and you're trying to find some reason to distract yourself from what the word of God is saying. This isn't a message of condemnation today. It's not my plan to embarrass you or to increase your pain somehow. But I'm going to be bold this morning to call out sin that exists in our lives and strongholds that can build themselves into our lives because somebody needs to be set free. Presenting a vision of life today that you could take on as the vision for your life that isn't going to be dominated by sin or the flesh anymore but is going to be led by the Spirit To do that, I'm going to have to do some bold preaching to address a few ways this morning that we think internally so that we can detach from them and make a move toward God. There's three mindsets that the Lord directed me to to address briefly this morning. The first is the mindset of no one's watching. No one knows. No one's watching. I'm fascinated by body language. I'm not the expert on it, but I've read a few books, and I've watched some stuff on YouTube, and it's just fascinating to me, Sister Penny. I like learning about nonverbal stuff that people do, because we have a lot of common denominators as human beings. We have a lot of behaviors that are just kind of universal. A lot of, uh, I'm talking about gestures, talking about our posture, the way we position ourselves, Uh, our overall behavior, our mannerisms, and uh, let me explain what I mean. You've probably seen the body language of somebody who is thinking about doing something that they know is wrong. Let me give you an example that's kind of on the grand scheme of things, like kind of over here in the harmless category. Not harmless, but like, you know, you get what I'm saying. It's over here in the kind of benign category. Have you ever seen somebody that, or maybe you've done, you don't have to out yourself. Maybe this is you. Maybe you've seen somebody who has a piece of trash, and there's no trash can. You ever seen the person that, like, needs to get rid of this piece of trash? And they're thinking about tossing it just on the ground. What do they do? They're either like, you know, they throw it, right? 
That's all nonverbal. They didn't say a word. But something about their nonverbal, their body language, showed, them, showed you exactly what was going on on the inside. Right? They look to the right. They look to the left. They glance behind them. And they chuck it. And the thinking is, if no one's watching, maybe it didn't really happen. Right? Sometimes, sometimes human beings were just that simple. It's just that easy to understand us. And maybe they think to themselves, if no one saw it happen, maybe it did happen, but maybe it happened to a lesser degree. Maybe it didn't happen as much because I'm the only one that knows about it. And I know that's silly. And there's two observations that I want to just state out loud this morning. Number one, when we do that, we know it's wrong. We still know it's wrong. And number two, when we do that nonverbal look around thing, the place we always forget to look is up. Because God sees it. And we think to ourselves, no one's watching. And if I'm the only one that saw it, and I'm, I'm the only one that knows about it, then maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe it doesn't really count. But we always forget to look up, and we always forget to remember that the Lord sees it. And when we do this, what we shift ourselves into, even as children of God, is we move ourselves into a state of practical atheism. Where we confess and profess to believe in God, but we behave in such a way that doesn't take God into account. And I know that's hard for us to hear because there's many that are gathered in the room this morning that are God-fearing people. But when we behave in this way, it puts us in a category where we are not taking God into account anymore in our actions. And when we do this long enough, there is a stronghold that gets built up in our life of whatever that action is. Because we think we got away with it over and that no one saw, saw it over and over and over and over and over, and then eventually it creates a new way of thinking in our life, and we don't think about that particular thing the way that we used to think about that thing. I know, I knew we'd get to the point, we were shouting a minute ago, we're getting quieter now. Ecclesiastes says, God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And the Apostle Paul in Romans in the New Testament echoes the very same truth. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Don't fall into the mindset of no one's watching. It leads you down to a dark place. You need to discard that way of thinking. And you need to say, I will not be dominated by anything. I'm not going to be brought under the power of anything. I want to be set free from that thing that's built up a stronghold in my life. Maybe I've kept it a secret. Maybe no one else knows about it. But I'm ready to take it to the feet of Jesus today. And I'm wanting to be set free from it. The second mindset that I want to address today is the mindset that says, you know what? No one's getting hurt. No one's getting hurt. This one out of all of them probably pains me the most to hear or see. Because everyone knows it's not true except the person who thinks it. And it does, when we say, you know what, no one's, act, no one's getting hurt, in actuality, there's an active harm that's taking place, and harm is what I mean by there are secret sins and habits of the flesh that stay in the shadows, 
But hear me, they never stay in their lane. Those things you try to keep on a leash, you try to keep your sin on a string, you try to control it, it never works that way. That's not the way sin works. That's not the way the flesh operates. And it becomes, here's what happens, the active harm. You think nobody's getting hurt. Here's what goes on. It becomes part of what you pass on to the people around you. Because it's part of you. You can't separate it. It doesn't work like that. How do I know that? In the very same letter that I read from earlier, 1 Corinthians, there's the proof. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, here's what it says. Paul repeats the very same little proverbial statement that he did in chapter 6. He says in chapter 10, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify or build up. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. What does Paul do there? He attaches the idea of what's going on and the things that we say, you know what, it's okay, I'm going to let it slide. And it builds up a stronghold in your life that drives a wedge between you and God. And that, that mindset that says, you know what, it's not really hurting anybody. Paul addresses it just four chapters later and says, you know what, it has a lot to do with the people that you're connected to. Because it's part of who you are and it gets projected and passed along into their lives. It is causing harm actively. And it is causing harm passively. And by passively, what I mean is when you allow a stronghold of sin or the flesh to build up something in your life that shouldn't be there, it congests the will of God for your life. And you end up living in a state of untapped, unlived potential. Because your life, whether you want to attach this word to it or not, your life becomes dominated by that thing. And instead of being able to flow in the Holy Ghost and walk with God like you should, instead you're constantly sidestepping and navigating around that thing that's built up a stronghold in your life. And you've just, allowed, you've just built your life in such a way to accommodate it. The dangerous thing is you get to the point where it no longer feels like an inconvenience to you. It no longer feels like sin. It no longer feels like a stronghold. It just feels like it's part of who you are. And it's obstructing your walk with God. It's making your walk with God less than what it could be. And you're getting hurt by it passively. How? Because you only have one life to live. I know we have a life that's eternal. But in this life, we have one chance. Why live below your means? Why, as a child of God that has access to all the power of God's word and the power of the spirit and the truth that's in these pages, why would a child of God allow something like that to build up something in their life that goes unchecked? What a tragedy. I'm here to tell you today that you can go from enslaved to empowered. You don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to have these mindsets anymore. You can break free from these things and you can live an overcoming life. There's another mindset that says, you know, I, I want to do this because it satisfies me in the moment. It satisfies me in the moment. And I'm just going to level with you if that's okay.
this is the one I can't argue with. Because the person who says that such and such satisfies them in the moment, they're correct. But the operative words are in the moment. And Paul acknowledged this position. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. He said, sure, there's some things that maybe you can get away with and maybe, maybe you can have as a part of your life. And maybe they serve to satisfy you in the moment. But do they build up? Are they really helpful to you if you're a person who's serious about your relationship with God? Is that particular thing, and you know the thing that I'm thinking about right now. You know you're thinking about it right now. Is that thing really conducive to helping your walk with God? I think you know the answer. And I need to warn you today that that mindset of, you know what, it satisfies me in the moment. It feels good in the moment. It just, it, it does it for me. That mindset will drag you to hell. It brings me no pleasure to say so. But Hebrews chapter 11 says the pleasures of sin are fleeting. The moment will come and go. James chapter 1 says each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. The end of that instant gratification mindset of it satisfies me in the moment, the end of it, I am compelled, I am held I am held responsible to the Holy Ghost to tell you the end of that mindset is death. There may be pleasure in the moment. There may be gratification in the short term. But the end of that road is death. And I'm here today to give you a better word. That instead of being satisfied, you can be empowered. Can I just say it in a way that I would say it if I weren't standing in front of a couple hundred people. Grown, grown-ups look further out into the distance and see what's the right thing to do in the big picture. Children do what feels good in the moment. Children do what feels good in the moment. Children do what satisfies them momentarily. But when we're born again of the water and of the spirit and we start living for God and walking by faith, brothers and sisters, we must get to the point in our walk with God when we say with Paul, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I spoke as a child. I behaved as a child. But when I became a grown person, I started to do things differently. I started to do things spiritually like grown people do. And I started to identify some of the mindsets that the preacher has talked about and not allow those mindsets to run roughshod over my life and to hold me captive to what the adversary wants to see take place in my life. I'm going to say today, you don't have to settle with being satisfied. You can live empowered. And here's what the adversary would like for you to do today. The adversary would like for you to say, you know what? I'm not going to be enslaved. But I'm willing to settle to be satisfied. 
And instead of going the full measure and saying, I'm going to be an empowered child of God. I'm going to be delivered from this junk. I'm going to find an altar. I'm going to get into the presence of God today. I'm going to allow some honesty with God and some deep repentance and some fresh consecration happen in this house this morning. The adversary would instead like to lock you up and paralyze you and make you say, you know what? I'm not going to be enslaved. I'm just going to stay satisfied. Son or daughter of God that God designed you to be. I don't want for a single second this morning to turn this into a single topic issue. But I don't want you to misunderstand and make you think that I'm saying that you can just be that you can just free yourself from these things, these bondages. Just by pure willpower. I'm just going to grip my teeth and power over it. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. God needs to meet you at the place where you're bound. God needs to meet you at the place that you've kept secret. God needs to meet you at the place where you need to grow closer to him. And God needs to perform a liberating, freeing work that's going to lead you out of that stuff. And that's the only way that what I'm preaching about truly happens. Hear me this morning. I want to be absolutely crystal clear. If you persistently refuse to say no to an enslaving habit in your life, you run the risk of hardening your conscience so that you no longer feel guilty about that enslavement. Let me tell you what I mean. The Apostle Paul had a couple co-workers that worked with him. Their names were Alexander and Hymenaeus. These guys were in the thick of it. They were as much in the church as you can be in the church. They were traveling around with the Apostle Paul. He had deputized them to do some serious stuff. He trusted them. They were, they were, they were valued co-workers in Paul's team. They were right in the middle of what God was doing during their generation. Alexander and Hymenaeus, 1 Timothy, Paul tells the story of these two individuals that were once had such a promising outlook in things of the kingdom, once were walking by faith and living for God. And Paul says that they rejected their conscience. They had allowed some things to build up in their life and they had persistently refused in moments like this to address them. And over time, their heart was hardened. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.19, By rejecting conscience, certain persons have made shipwreck of their faith. Among them, Hymenaeus and Alexander. What do you expect the spiritual consequences to be? When day after day you reject the voice of conscience and you reject the word of God that's coming to you even on a Sunday morning. When, when, you're, when you have perfect cover, when there's a couple hundred other people in the room and you're not singled out and you're not targeted. And you can respond in faith at the, at the end of this world except you and God. But time after time you reject the appeals of the Holy Ghost. What do you expect the spiritual consequences to be? It's going to be shipwreck. Why did Jesus say, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away? 
It's better that you lose one of your members, one of your body parts, than your whole body be thrown into hell. He said it not for effect, not for shock and awe. He said it because he loves you. And he's reaching for you. And he's saying, Esau, don't let that one morsel of food be the price tag of your birthright. Why does God record for us in Hebrews chapter 12, the verses I read in your hearing just moments ago, that tragedy of Esau, when the word of God says, don't be like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, Esau was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. There was nothing unlawful about a bowl of soup. If you know the Jacob and Esau story, Jacob, his brother, younger brother, cooked up a, a meal. Esau was coming in from the field, exhausted, famished. Anyone ever felt so hungry? They said, I'm so hungry, I think I'm going to die. Esau's having one of those moments. He comes in from the field. He's so hungry. He's the older brother. He has what's called the birthright. He has the, uh, the larger stake of his father's inheritance waiting for him one day. Jacob, his brother, knows this. Jacob's cooked up a bowl of stew, and he's waiting on Esau. Esau has a stronghold in his life that maybe we didn't know much about to this point. But here in this little glimpse of a conversation in the middle of a day, we find out that there's been something in Esau's life that's built up a stronghold, something Esau has never addressed. Jacob holds out that bowl of soup. The smell starts to waft its way towards Esau. Esau is already in a bad state. He's exhausted. He's so hungry. And Jacob's ready. He says, Esau, I'll give you this bowl of soup, this morsel of food, if only you will commit. There was nothing unlawful to use the Apostle Paul's word in 1 Corinthians. All things are lawful for me. There was nothing unlawful about a bowl of soup. It was just a bowl of soup. It was just a morsel of food. But being driven around and controlled and dominated by it. It destroyed Esau's future. It wrecked Esau's relationships. It took years to start to heal. And he never fully recovered. There is a mindset that you need to adopt today, and I would commend it to you this morning. And it's the mindset that Paul establishes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It's the mindset of, I will not be dominated by anything. I will not be dominated by anything. 
I'm here to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost this morning, it's time to cast off the bondage of sin and the flesh. It doesn't matter what label you put on it. It doesn't matter how it's manifested itself in your life. I'm here to tell you that today is the day to cast off that bondage. And if you will respond in faith today, God will help you. Satan's worst, the adversary knows that if a child of God says, I'm going to adopt that way of life that says, I will not be dominated by anything. All things are in my power, but I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. The devil knows that it kicks him out of the driver's seat. It kicks him out of the conversation entirely. When you say, I'm not going to tolerate sin. I'm not going to tolerate being driven and controlled by my flesh. There's some things I'm going to say no to. There's some things I'm going to say, I don't have to do that anymore. When a child of God becomes empowered, they become the most dangerous thing that the adversary can possibly imagine. When they say, I'm not going to live by my impulses or my urges. I'm not going to live according to the flesh with just a drive for instant gratification anymore. But I'm going to say there's a vision for my life that God has given to me through his word. I don't have to be dominated by any of those things anymore. I'm going to be led by the Holy Ghost. You can go from being enslaved to empowered today. The musicians would come. I can't manufacture a move of God this morning. All I can do at about 4 o'clock in, in the morning on Tuesday. That there was going to be some individuals, probably many individuals, under the sound of my voice this morning that needed a message that God is reaching into the deepest recesses of their life and he's not content just to, to do a miraculous salvation work in your life and then leave you to deal with all the mess that sometimes gets locked up on the inside of us. God wants to penetrate down into those places of your life and he wants to give you total victory. Total victory today. And I've come to tell you that the yoke of slavery can be broken off your life. And you should not leave today feeling enslaved or dominated by your flesh or the adversary. Because it is God's desire to set you free from bondage today. I spoke it in faith a little while ago. Somebody's going to walk out of this house feeling lighter today. Somebody's going to walk out of this house and the chains have gone, are going to have fallen off of their life. And they're going to be walking out of this building, away from this day, feeling like there's a life out there that I never knew was even possible for me. Because God's done such a work in my life today in his presence. Stand with me. To do. you want to experience what I've been preaching about this morning, you need to bring that secret bondage into the presence of Jesus. You don't have to announce it to anybody else. Fact is, when I, when I make a call for prayer here in a moment, I'm going to encourage every single person in this room to make a move towards prayer, make a move toward the front of this room, because it's not my will that anybody feel condemned or singled out or embarrassed. That is not the will of God. That is not what we're going for here today. But I want everybody to have an equal opportunity to step out in faith. So here's what we need to do. If you want to experience a breakthrough today, if you want to go from being enslaved to being empowered, it's going to happen through three things. The first is you're going to have to get honest with God. God can't 
God can't help who you pretend to be. Get real with God. Be honest with Him. Second, once you've had an honest moment with Him, probably looks like some confession. You need a moment of deep repentance. By deep repentance, I mean, God, I ain't doing this anymore. I'm going to fully repent. I'm going to turn around my life. I'm going to get my life pointed the direction it needs to go. And then third, before you leave the building today, you need a fresh commitment, deep repentance and fresh commitment. Let's lift up our hands in the house of the Lord right now all over this room. They're going to begin to play. They're going to begin to sing. And we're going to have a time of ministry this morning. Right now, as every hand's lifted and every eye's closed, I want to invite us to start moving towards the front of this building. I want us to step out of our seats where we are. And I'd like us to get to about 100% of participation this morning because there's so many that need the word of the Lord to do a work in their life. It's, it's, it's come past the noise. I don't know what you were expecting this morning, but the word of God has penetrated past the noise, past all the distractions in our life, and has hit us in the place where we need it most. We need it in that secret place. We need it in that place that you've been struggling at that nobody knows. I don't know if it's pride. I don't know if it's addiction. I don't know what it looks like or what label we would attach to it. I don't know if it's lust. I don't know if it's some kind of substance. But God can deliver you today. God wants to release you from the bondages of sin in the flesh today. Use your voice and cry out to the Lord in the house of God right now. And go from